You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. We got some good feedback. We got uh, some good conversation going today. We're going to talk scouting report on both of the 49ers rookie running backs, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. But first, we've got some interesting stuff going on that uh, you put out there on, we put out there, first of all, on the podcast and then uh, Croc, you followed up on Twitter with some questions uh, about some quarterbacks, and you clearly higher than I am on Derek Carr. But there's a hot button quarterback out there. Anytime you bring him up, that's going to get even more varied responses, and that is Eli Manning. So why don't you preface yeah. this whole conversation, Croc? So we kind of started off, and we had asked a question: Would you rather have one Super Bowl win and a bunch of terrible years, or would you rather? have consistency in the sense of playoff appearances, winning playoff games, but maybe not winning the Super Bowl. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Which one would you prefer? And that was just kind of the question because I was thinking out loud because a lot of people were like, no rookie quarterback has ever won the Super Bowl. And my pushback on that was, dude, the 49ers haven't won a Super Bowl since 1994. <laughs> right. But I know one thing. I would love to go into the year – or at least midway through the year or towards the end of the year and feel like my team at least has a chance to win the Super Bowl. And I feel like, you know, if you start Trey, Trey Lance now or whoever, I mean, it could be, it could be Garoppolo or, or whatever, but having someone that you know is going to consistently, consistently put you in position to possibly have a Super Bowl run. And that's what I would like to see more so. So, no no rookie has ever won it. Like, okay, 49ers haven't won the Super Bowl since 94. I don't want to hear that that talk. Yeah, veterans Let aren't winning have, it all the time either. Yeah, who's going to who's gonna put us in position to possibly be able to win it? And if it's not this year, maybe next year, maybe the year after that, whatever. But at least have the opportunity. And that's what I'm looking for more so than just a surefire Super Bowl victory because I don't think that's possible. And I actually have some hard data about listener excitement because I, I do a 49ers podcast. I know what happens with how much people are engaged with the team, how much they listen to the podcast, how excited they are about the team when the team's winning or when it's not winning, regardless of a Super Bowl right. season, right? And you've seen some of these things. You can see the dips and the ebbs and flows of a season when people are listening, when people are not, how excited the fan base is. So I think I know the actual answer to this, and some fans might think they would like it one way but in reality I'm not sure if they do um by the way right so the 49ers I'm looking at this right now this from Warren Sharp on Twitter at Sharp Football because he was he, this this was for a different conversation for some reason a lot of people are talking about the Raiders right now um and, and Derek Carr um and for a lot of reasons uh, Carl Nassib Las Vegas Raiders winning seasons since 2003 Las Vegas Raiders have one winning season since 2003. Now, obviously, those are those all weren't quarterbacked by Derek Carr. The Cleveland Browns, two winning seasons since 2003. What team do you think is next with the fewest winning seasons since 2003, Croc? The... I, I want to say Lions. You have... Okay, you, well, you nailed one of them. I was going to say you have a, a one in three chance because there's three teams tied with four winning season since 2003. The Detroit Lions is one. 
The Jacksonville Jaguars is another. And the third is your San Francisco 49ers. Only two NFL teams have fewer winning seasons since 2003 than the Niners. That's the Browns and the Raiders. So that brings me back to my yeah. point, which is, does does if the 49ers win the Super Bowl in 2019, does that make all those terrible years worth it? Because I hate watching a bad product. Like there were games that I turned off when the 49ers were really bad with Chip Kelly and they were game. There were games and I'm, I'm a big time fan. I turned games off because I could not stomach watching that. Because it's not a good product. It's not fun to watch at all. Just like, just as a football fan, it's like, this is a garbage game. I don't want to watch this. It's not fun to watch. It's not exciting. I try to stick through it all. I try to stick through it all, but there was one game where our 49ers were playing against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo and it was just so bad. It, the, the, when I turned it off was when Buffalo, it was like a third and 25. And they just turned around and handed the ball off. And it was like LaShawn McCoy just boop, 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 and ran for a first down on third and 25. And I said, I can't watch this team. And that's really hard for me because I, I watched the 49ers through thick and thin. But we kind of got off topic a little bit. We wanted to touch on <laughs> something that kind of pertains to the, this whole thing right, with the winning seasons, and Eli Manning. So in the Locked On group chat, a question kind of popped up about Eli Manning, and I had no idea that Eli Manning, people were talking about him on Twitter. I had no idea about anything with him going into front office. I just fired off a tweet saying, basically, he's not very good, extremely overrated. We're talking about a quarterback who literally was 500 for his career, 500 for his career. Like 0.500, like not a game under, not a game above. That is the epitome of average, right? And then you look at like, well, he had two Super Bowl runs and that is great. But in 17 seasons, he won playoff games in two of them. So the Giants and their fans went 15 seasons without winning a Super Bowl. I mean, without winning a playoff game with him at quarterback. Would you rather go 15 seasons without winning a playoff game or win those two? I mean, that, that, that's and, and I get it. You won two, and that is amazing because the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl. But what about those other 15 years? Like, that is a long time. And I, I just look at it as a fan and someone that wants to be intrigued by what's going on and to have that type of failure consistently and looking at Eli Manning when you look at his numbers like nothing about it is special nothing about it is great matter of fact I mean there's times where he threw 20 plus interceptions in multiple seasons there was actually a season where he threw more interceptions than he threw touchdowns I I mean it he is and then he goes on this great run great awesome I don't want to take anything away from that but the, a lot of the pushback I got in my comments was, well, he has two Super Bowl MVPs, two Super Bowls. You're just a hater, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I watched those games. I watched, I watched him the, the score, like they scored 17 points and won. <laughs> like they scored 20 points and won. We're not acting like he lit the world on fire. Nick Foles' Super Bowl performance, right? You want to talk about Super Bowl performances and MVPs and you look at Nick Foles and what he did for Philadelphia – and beating the Patriots and how he literally had to outduel 
Tom Brady. I mean, it came down to the wire, and Nick Foles had to have an out-of-body experience and game of his life. I do believe that Eli Manning had out-of-body plays in those Super Bowls where a guy catches the ball on his helmet. Another guy, the other one, he dropped in to Mario Manningham on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Great plays. But I think we're, 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 we're looking at it a little too – we're giving him a little too much credit. It, it would be like Jimmy Garoppolo last year. I strongly believe that if even if Garoppolo won that Super Bowl in 2019, we would still be in the same situation because everyone knows it was not him. <laughs> like, it was not him. that, that we, we, the, the 49ers threw the ball eight times against Green Bay Packers. They stopped throwing the ball against the, against the Vikings. We already talked about that and the reasons why. So 49ers would still be in the situation because they understand we really need more out of the quarterback position. And when you look at the Giants and their runs, I, I get it. But there was a lot of mediocre plays, almost two decades worth, with Eli Manning at quarterback. But he won his couple of Super Bowls, so the, one he's a thing, Hall of Famer. One thing I'll say, and yeah, and that's that's the tough part is the Hall of Fame stuff. He won two Super Bowls, but you know, was he driving the bus? Was he? I think it's uh, it's Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. They they always do trailer. this thing where are you the truck or are you the trailer, right? Uh, yeah, and, the truck and, or the trailer. And, and yep. like Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't the truck for the 2019 49ers. Um, and Eli Manning was never the truck for the New York Giants, but he's a quarterback that won two Super Bowls, so he's probably going to cruise on into the Hall of Fame, but he'll be one of the worst quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame, right? He will be the worst. Yeah, the worst. I think there's again, a lot of old quarterbacks where it was a different era and you know and yeah. all that, but as far as modern era quarterbacks. Modern era quarterbacks, yeah. Like, would you take Eli Manning over Dan Marino because Eli Manning happened to win two Super Bowls? Would you take him over Dan Marino, who was thrown for 50 touchdowns in the 70s and 80s? No, no chance. No way. But, and and also, but here's the thing the Giants were competitive too. They weren't just, they weren't bad and then won Super Bowl. They were in the playoffs almost half of his seasons too. So I I think you're like, as far as as the question about winning Super Bowls and then having bad teams, I don't think the Giants fit into that because they are in the playoffs for, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. They were in the playoffs six years of his career. I mean, that's not terrible. That's not as good as some other quarterbacks. And even the times when they were bad, um, they didn't, they were nine and seven. They were a winning team. They're over 500, didn't make the playoffs second in the NFC East in 2012. They were eight and eight. They were, you know, they were, they didn't really start to really get bad until late career Eli Manning. And then that was really bad. Uh, and right. he sort of fell off a cliff pretty quickly. And, and then they were had a couple six and 10 seasons. And then they were having trouble trying to figure out when to, to, to kick him out of town. And then they, there was like that whole debacle with Ben McAdoo. Do you remember? And then he, they didn't, they, cause he had, cause Eli had started all those games and then they started yeah, another quarterback. He benched him. And Vince just, broke the streak and, yeah. then and then only to start him back. And then the head coach got fired. Yeah. <laughs> that was just so like, and, and, and that's, we've seen the giants fan base too. Some of them really hate Eli or didn't hate him, but some of them were like, Oh gosh, this guy's not that good. And then obviously I think giants fans overwhelmingly were like, yes, we will take that run. A lot of decent teams, a lot of really competitive teams through Eli's career. And then obviously two super bowls. So it's not as extreme as the 49ers have been with, only three winning seasons under Harbaugh and one under Shanahan since 2003, since the Dennis Erickson era, essentially, right? Right. And uh, again, I, I get it. I get all of it. And But I just look at it from a standpoint of I want to watch a competitive team. And if I had my way, I would watch a competitive team every year that possibly has 
the chance to win it all over watching a team win it one time. And I know they're guaranteed to win it that one time, but only four winning seasons or whatever in since 2003. Like, that is terrible. I'll take the competitive team, too. I'm with you. I want to run that question by Winkler. And actually, I'm going to let you marinate on this question. And there's been a lot of versions of this question asked, but I want to ask you, and you can think about it because we'll get to it tomorrow on Winky Wednesday. Um, Derek Carr or Eli Manning, when you take everything else out and you just look at those two quarterbacks, I think that's a fun one because everyone says, oh, Eli Manning, obviously his last name's Manning, Super Bowls. And I know you're a fan, you, you like Eric Derek Carr and you obviously are, are sort of uh, <laughs> not as high on Eli Manning. So don't answer it now. I want to get that answer from you. <laughs> and then some of the, the current quarterbacks like Carr versus Garoppolo versus Kirk Cousins. And those guys are always getting compared. Does it even matter which one right. of those guys is your quarterback? Do you have a feeling about who you like more if we rank those guys? And, and we've had those questions that we haven't really touched on yet uh, from the Twitter listener base. So we'll get to some of those questions on Winky Wednesday along with whatever else is going on. On tomorrow but right now let's talk running backs let's talk trey sermon next i'd like to take a moment here to tell you about bet online which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action and then when i say all your sports everything major league baseball nba nhl playoffs super fun even more fun when you've got a little bit of extra action on those games ufc mma celebrity boxing golf everything you could imagine betting on they've got available they've got lines on it at bet online you've got some futures bets when it comes to nfl teams over under win totals on your favorite team rookie of the year mvp and super bowl champion so uh, before you do anything else head over to bet online your laptop mobile device your desktop computer don't sit on the sidelines anymore this is your chance to get in the game Get your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit using promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Croc, I've talked a lot about Trey Sermon already. Before you join me officially as co host on the pod, I did uh, my scouting report on him. We can go over some of my notes, but I want to hear more about what you think about Trey Sermon. What do you think the 49ers were looking at when they moved up to get him at the 88th pick? in round three and not the speed demon of a receiver of a, of a runner that we've seen in the backfield for the 49ers recently. He's, he's closer to Jeff Wilson than he is to Raheem Mostert or Matt Burita or, or one of those guys. So what do you think? Trey Sermon, does it tell us a lot about what the 49ers are trying to do? And what is your scouting report on Trey Sermon? What do you see in him as a player? What do you like? What do you not like? So there were a few things that jumped out to me immediately. All right. And the first thing where I said, okay, I clearly see this. He has great vision. And I think some people think, okay, outside zone, great vision. He just knows how to, you know, run and then hit the hole. Right. And that's awesome. Cause I think uh, the first year Shanahan was in the system, Carlos Hyde seemed like he struggled with that a little bit. Yeah. Kind of, you know, reading the blocking in the outside zones, but he does a great job of not just having great vision and understanding when to put his foot in the ground and get it vertical. But he also does an amazing job of setting his blockers up. And I think that's an underrated aspect of running backs and kind of how they can, you know, spring off big runs or even just get that eight yard run, just really being able to set up your blocker where I step this way to give it time for this to develop and then hit the hole, which brings me to my next thing that I thought he did extremely well. He had great patience. All right. These, these are two things where I thought were great. 
great, great vision, great patience. I, I think if you have those two things, you definitely are heading in the right direction. And then the third thing that I think tops it off with him being such a really good intermediate runner is that he has really uh, good contact balance. So when guys are kind of hitting his legs and he's able to kind of bounce off of it, catch his balance, kind of fall forward a little bit, sometimes he can make something out of nothing just because of the the combination of those three things. Great vision, great patience, and great contact balance. Those three things jumped out to me immediately. Then there's one other thing I think with running backs that really kind of get overlooked, and it's them as pass protectors. And, you know, going back and, you know, we'll get into Elijah Mitchell, but I know one thing that jumped out about Trey Sermon and watching how they utilize him in the passing game, he'd be in there and he'll stand in there and take on blockers. And I thought he was really good, stout, pass-protecting guy. And you need to have that to play in the NFL. If you can't pass-protect, like, it's going to be tough to consistently have you on the field, and you definitely won't have a chance to be a three-down back if you can't do that. So those were three things that jumped out or – really four things that jumped out immediately. Great vision, uh, reads his zone, his zone blocks uh, extremely well and sets up, sets up his blocks well. All right, great patience, great contact balance, and a really good pass protector from the reps that I saw. Those are things that j- immediately jumped out to me. I'm glad you brought up the pass protection. It's always the overlooked thing, especially when it comes to the transition from college to the NFL. And you see a lot of smaller quicker running backs that that are good receivers that people say okay great third down back well that's okay if you're split out but being on the field on third downs means as a running back you're gonna have to pass protect too and if you can't pass protect a coach is not going to put you on the field so that's huge for being on the field on every down for someone like Trey Sermon who will have the opportunity to be maybe just a straight up um, you know carry the load starter as early as uh, this season who knows depending on how injuries go or 2022 and be able to be in there every down one of the problems with Trey Sermon being an every down back is he really hasn't been that. And and he kind of was at Ohio State, but it was only an eight-game season, and it, that was his best season as a college player. He spent three years at Oklahoma before that, but he was always part of a sort of a committee. And I think that's probably what he'll be with the 49ers as part of a committee backfield. So um, third round, what do you think? 88th overall third round for sort of a, a committee running back? Or do you think Trey Sermon could be more in the NFL than he was in college, Crack? I believe that it's just how he was utilized in college. And I think in the NFL now, they are going towards more of a committee, but you can have a committee run game, but still have your quote unquote factor back, right? Like your, your back that's going to take the most reps at that position. You're going to have spell guys. You're going to have guys that maybe have different types of strengths. We talked about recently uh, Jeff Wilson on the goal line. Right. And I mean, there was I felt like at some point he had just as much carries as touchdowns and they were using him specifically in that role. But I don't think that took away from maybe other guys getting a bulk of the carries in you know, the different ways, however they decided to use him. So I think when you look at Trey Sermon, the question is, will he be the lead guy in the sense of carries and how they're utilizing him and just spell him with other guys like. Raheem Mostert, like a Jeff Wilson, who's, I know he's hurt, but like Wayne Gallman. How about this stat? Speaking of Jeff Wilson, 5.1 yards per carry against eight plus man boxes per attempt. So uh, that is fourth best in the NFL 
last year for running backs against eight-plus man boxes. So when teams are stacking the box, Nick Chubb was number one, six yards per carry. Then Ronald Jones, surprisingly, 5.8 yards per carry. Derrick Henry, as you expect, third on that list, five and a half yards per carry against eight-man boxes. Fourth, Jeff Wilson, 5.1 yards. Those are the only running backs that were uh, five yards or better. Jeff Wilson was really good for the 49ers. He had some fumbling issues in his career. But good out of the backfield, too, that Texas route he's undefeated on. I mean, I love that. And it makes for um, uh, made him for a good red zone threat, both uh, catching the ball and running the ball. And so I think Trey Sermon can give the 49ers a lot of that stuff. And I think that's what they vision being a one-two punch with Mostert this year for Trey Sermon. Can he carry the load? Does he need to carry the load? I don't know. There's been He's the one player they drafted this year that has had some injuries. But running backs are always getting hurt and and that's just the way it is and it happened to sermon this year i think it's happened to him in past seasons at oklahoma as well so that's the that's the one problem and and raheem mostert hasn't proven to be that guy so when you put those two together and those really those skill sets really fit together like a puzzle too with what sermon brings and what raheem mostert brings if those guys combined can be one every down back for you i think 49ers are gonna be in really good shape with their running game this year now, there's one thing that I think both of those guys are missing, and I think Jeff Wilson gives you a little bit more of this, is getting those leak yardage, right? Like like falling forward. I thought there were too many times with Trey Sermon where, one, I thought he struggled a little bit to make guys miss in the open field. I definitely saw it, you know, where he did well, but I thought there were just too many times where one guy tackled him in the open field. And I think if you ever talk to a running back, that's the one thing that they know they can't let happen. I can't let one guy in the open field tackle me. Now, maybe Big Ten guys are just these great tacklers, <laughs> and that's why it happened. But I thought it was too, I saw it too much for my liking, uh, just not being able to really be elusive enough consistently to make the first guy miss. And then I would have liked to see a little bit more leak yardage falling forward instead of getting wrapped up and falling sideways. Kind of got spoiled a little bit with Frank Gore. Frank Gore was probably one of the best ever at that, really just making something out of nothing, getting skinny, falling, uh, you know, where it looks like he should be wrapped up at the line of scrimmage, and he figured out a way to kind of wiggle through there and pick up two, three yards and get something out of nothing to kind of put you ahead in the sticks. I didn't quite see that from Trey Sermon. The contact balance, the, the leg drive, the vision for Frank Gore, those those runs where he would pop out like I, don't, I can't remember a running back I think Nick Chubb's probably the best at that right now in the NFL of those interior runs that break and go big and it's like where how did he get out of that like where's he going and yeah that's a that's a definite skill I would like to see more of that because of how big Trey Sermon is but uh, my, the biggest thing for me when I watched Trey Sermon was the feet for a big man he's he's got quickness and it goes along with a lot of the things you were saying at the beginning with his strengths and that's why he's so good between the tackles because he is so good laterally and he sees it and he can get to where he needs to go and it doesn't and he can get caught from behind because you know he's maybe a four six guy. I can't remember exactly. I think it was four six flat maybe that he ran. I and he remember. runs about that. Yeah. His initial burst is really good though. Yeah, and that's you what see him get caught from behind, but short areas, it's awesome. So he gets yeah. to the he gets it's like he's not gonna do that eighty yard touchdown run like Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida, yeah. but he's gonna have those twenty yard big runs where eventually one of the DBs is going to run him down, but he gets loose a lot because of that yeah. ability and because of that. And I think that's why he's so good in the outside zone. I think that's why he fits nicely with Shanahan's scheme, he, even though he's not that speed demon. I mean, dude was rushing for seven and a half yards for carry last year. He, he was he yeah. was really good for Ohio State last year. There's going to be some give and take, right? 
you you said if you can kind of combine the both running backs and have them as one, I think that's when you get a more complete backfield. There were definitely runs where I saw him spring through. He really does a great job of getting skinny in the hole and bursting through there and getting out into the open field. And there were some runs where I'm like, man, if that were Raheem Mostert, like that would be a touchdown. Like he would outrun those two guys there and wouldn't let the guy close on them and tackle him from behind. But also, hey, if that were Raheem Mostert, would he have had the vision to be able to spring that run in the first place? And I think you kind of combine those guys. That's probably what you would like out of both guys. They, they complement each other extremely well. Was it the college football semis where Sermon went off for like 300 yards or something crazy like that? Or was that it the was whole the game big before that? 10, that was the Big Ten championship, Big Ten championship game championship against game. Northwestern, which was great because that was an all-time great defense. Like that Northwestern team, really good defensively. I think if, if you if that were the only game you ever watched about uh, watch from Trey Sermon, you would see everything that you want to see out of a running back, except for maybe just a pure long speed. Mm-hmm. But everything else, you know, I, I talked about making guys miss, right? Like, you know, inconsistent with making that first guy miss. He wasn't inconsistent in that game. He made the first guy miss. I thought he ran really hard. I thought he, you know, broke tackles, the leak yardage, the vision. I thought he, in that game, he put everything on display. It wasn't as consistent in some other games, at least what it was there. But maybe you look at that game and say, hey, he has everything that we want. Let's get him to be a little bit more consistent, maybe a little bit more confident with, the fact that you can finish off runs better. And again, it was something he did very well. Like you can, I can pull up a tweet where he ran through two, three guys, but then I can also show you enough uh, videos of him just going down on first contact guy, just wrapping his legs up and him not being able to fight through that. And, and, you know, I think when I see like these kind of bigger kind of wider running backs, I, I think of Marshawn Lynch and I know that's not fair to a guy like Trey Sermon, but you know, just, Fighting through tacklers, you know, arm tackles, uh, getting that extra couple yards. I, I would like to see that out of a back that I'm expecting to be the, you know, uh, the the factor back. And uh, maybe he's not. He's drafting the third round, but we'll definitely see. You know, I, I think the Elijah Mitchell conversation is going to go too long to fit in today's podcast, Croc. So let's push that off to Thursday so we have yeah. time to get deeper into that so we can talk a little bit more about the rest of these guys. So a healthy Jeff Wilson, or whenever he does come back, because his his injury isn't season-ending, it doesn't look like. Free agent signee Wayne Gallman, Jermichael Hasty in the mix as well. Are those guys competing with Trey Sermon for the number two job or... Are they competing with themselves for the end of the roster? More crocked on 49ers, P-Croc coming up. Starting to realize that there's no bad time to enjoy a built bar. It's how I started my day today. Did not have a lot of time before I had to hit record and get working. If you are low on time, you want a healthy snack. You need to replace a quick meal, maybe. You can't do much better than a low-sugar, low-calorie high-protein, high-fiber snack that tastes awesome. And to make it even tastier, I'll tell you how you can get 15% off your next box of Built Bars. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious folks out there, uh, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and even great for a keto diet. That peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories and 5 grams of sugar. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and 4 grams of sugar. 
So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. We talked about it last week. Mostert's the dude. Mostert's the RB1 to me all day long. But, you know, you drafted Trey Sermon for a reason. So Sermon, Gallman, Wilson, Hasty. How's that competition look to you, Croc? Listen, I, I know how these things work. If they invest in you, they want to see you on the field. Mm-hmm. And they've invested more in Trey Sermon than they have really with any other back on this roster, not named Raheem Mostert, right? Raheem Mostert was a guy that they kind of initially reworked his contract and he had some incentives in there to make some money. So he'll, he'll, he'll be out there because they believe in him from that standpoint. But Wayne Gallman, I'm pretty sure kind of a veteran minimum type of contract. And then you look at the other guys, obviously Jeff Wilson hurt. Um, but like, you know, Hasty and some of these other guys, they, they're going to play who they put invested more in unless he shows that he can't play. But a lot of the everything kind of coming out of OTAs was that he impressed to some extent and he continued to get better. And those are things they like to see. If that continues, he will be the number two for sure running back and maybe fighting with split splitting carries with with uh, uh, Raheem Mostert because. I don't know how exactly they want to use Raheem Mostert. They've tried to utilize him in a way to where he is the main back. And we all saw that Green Bay Packer game and what he did there. But in more more times than not in games, I mean, we're seeing him go down with ankle injuries or whatever, for whatever reason. So maybe they want to spell him more. And I think in a situation like that, you could see uh, Trey Sermon be a guy who starts to get a bulk of the carries. Even if he's not the first running back on the field to take that first carry, it, it could be, and we saw this with the 49ers, with Tevin Coleman, right? Tevin Coleman be out there first, but that doesn't mean that he's going to finish the game with the most carries. I could see maybe that type of situation where Raheem Mostert, he's out there first, but Trey Sermon ends up getting the bulk of the carries. And I think he wears down defenses a little better as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe get a little bit more of the tough yardage, and without Jeff Wilson, he's going to have that role because nobody else on the roster really has that ability. Elijah Mitchell has a little bit more thump than you would expect for someone who showed up at his pro day uh, lighter than he played, I think, and then ran four threes. So uh, that's an interesting one there with Elijah Mitchell that we'll talk about. But Wayne Gallman, I'm looking at it right now, yeah. So it's a, it's a veteran minimum contract, essentially, 990000 So he's less than a million dollars, zero dollars of that guaranteed. I would have thought he would get a little better contract than that in the NFL, but he's more of a role player, more of a third down guy. When they signed Gallman, it was like, okay, he's a lock to make the roster. That they drafted two rookie running backs, and and with the Wilson injury, that makes more space. But I guess uh, now that I think about it, we we can't really lock Wayne Gallman into a role because if that role at best is your third running back, and maybe you like to Michael Hasty. Maybe you really, maybe Elijah Mitchell's ready to be the number three, you know, and, and take those carries. And you know that Jeff Wilson's going to be back at some point. Now maybe Wayne Gallman's spot on the roster out of camp is a little bit more tenuous than I would have thought. Yeah. And when you talk about, or actually like listen to people talk about Wayne Gallman, a lot of people really like him. I think they like a lot of what he brings and, and talk about him being a strong runner and being explosive. Wayne Gallman was someone that I was really high on coming out of Clemson. He was a guy where I'm like, man, I wish the 49ers would draft this guy in like the third or fourth round. Obviously, he went to the Giants, had to spell a guy like Saquon Barkley, who is a terrific running back. But I did think when Gallman got his opportunities, he ran extremely well, especially last year. And he looks like a guy that's definitely going to contribute to some extent. 
But I don't think unless Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon is going to get the first shot at this. Like he's going to get every opportunity to show that he either can or can't be the guy right away. And that's just how the business of the NFL goes. So Gallman, his best bet right now is, hey, let me just do, let me just show that I'm valuable to some extent. And, you know, hopefully they keep him as, you know, the third back. Trying to find Wayne Gallman's combine stuff. Because he's like, he's sort of, he's small, but he's not short, right? He's like sort of a slimmer, um, maybe even combo receiver build. And, uh, okay, yeah, so here we go. Actually, wow, he's heavier than I would have thought. So coming out of college, he was six feet and a half inch, 215. I would have not thought he was a 215-pound running back. I wouldn't either. Yeah, top speed. He only ran a 4.6 coming out, 21 on the bench. So, you know, athleticism didn't jump as far as workouts, but, you know, maybe bigger and stronger than I'm giving him credit for. And maybe that's why he's been able to – to carve out that sort of a third down type of role because he can pass protect and he can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. So just sort of a running back that gives you a, a little bit of everything but is, is obviously not the guy that you want to be uh, one of your main running backs. Very interesting. I think when you look at a Wayne Gallman, when you look at a Trey Sermon, really the complete opposite of what the 49ers really wanted to put on the field initially, which was speed, speed, speed. At one point when they had uh, Breda, Coleman, uh, gosh, who was Jared McKinnon? And you're looking at those three backs. I mean, those were like blazers. Those are the guys that were really fast. And Raheem Mostert. I mean, they were all four or three guys where it was like 49ers had the fastest backfield in the NFL. And then you kind of look at what they're going towards now with it started kind of with Hasty, right? Hasty is not this burner. And then you sign Gallman, you draft Sermon, and now you have, you know, I mean, the four, five, four, six type guys yeah. that have a different style of running. So that, that that's definitely very interesting. And even um, uh, Jeff, Col- uh, Je- Jeff Wilson, we look at him as just this big, bruising, hard-running guy now. But when he was coming out, I want to say from North Texas, he was 195 pounds going into 49ers camp. He was not this big, bruising running back. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Wilson's uh, – he – he runs angry, so you think he's bigger than he actually is. Let's see if we can find some info here. So he wasn't invited to the combine, I don't think, or at least didn't work out at the combine. So uh, pro day, yeah, 208 pounds. He okay. ran four five seven, so mid four fives. I wonder why. Why do I have 195 in my head? I don't know if maybe he was listed at 195 for North Texas. He might have been listed smaller. That. Yeah. Um, but you know, and, and what was it five eleven and a half? So you know, he's got he's got okay size, but he's not a thumper. But he plays like a thumper. Like he he runs like he's a bigger back even than two oh eight because two oh eight's not you know a huge running back by NFL standards for you know thumper types. Yeah, I mean he he runs extremely hard, and I think that was evident from the first time that he stepped on the field for the Forty ers I remember back to uh, him playing against the Seahawks and also playing against uh, the Buccaneers. And those were two of the hardest running like plays that or games that I'd seen from a 49er running back in recent history. I mean, just bucking guys. Yeah. I, I, so I have his uh, numbers kind of pulled up from North Texas when he was there. Weight, 194 pounds. And I think initially in the 49ers, on the 49ers roster, he was listed at that. It was like 195. So I'm like, dang, this 195 running back. But when he got on the field, I'm like, dude, there's no way this guy's 195 the way he's running <laughs> through guys and running through their chest. 
I think maybe his hard running kind of hurt him in a sense because he's running so hard, so wild. You talked about the fumble issues that he had, especially early on. Those things kind of popped up a little bit in some games, but extremely hard running back. That it's going to be – who would have thought – and I didn't know this until this offseason. He was the 49ers' leading rusher last year, and it wasn't all pretty. He had a huge game towards the end of the year. There were some games where he was averaging like two yards a carry, three yards a carry, but he ended up being the 49ers' leading rushing rusher last year. And I think that speaks to maybe why the 49ers are like, all right, we have to do something at this running back position and maybe draft guys. Are they telling us that they don't like Jeff Wilson as much as maybe some of us fans do? A guy that they haven't really never given opportunities to unless other guys went down with injuries? Yeah, they uh, just consistency, I think, is something they're searching for right now and knowing who their guys are. And they've kind of filtered guys in and out of a lot of positions. And I think they're trying to solidify some things. And I think that's what we saw with quarterback. That's what we've seen with running back and right guard. And that was their first three draft picks this year, right? They, they want consistency at, at more positions. So um, I think that was a huge factor in this NFL draft. We're out of time here, Croc. So let's finish this conversation later in the week. We're going to talk more about running backs, how we see this group uh, fifth round, sixth round draft pick, Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana. The scouting report on him, how he fits into this group now and in the future. And then coming up tomorrow, Winky Wednesday, right here, Locked On 49ers.